right, welcome to Truth Culture Life. This is uh, the season finale, episode two of two. Very, very soon, folks. I hope it's next week. We will officially begin season two of Truth Culture Life. I'm your host, Royce Hood, and I'm so glad to be here today. Wow. I have had just the craziest couple of weeks. Um, this last week at all, my travel, I literally just got off an airplane and I am pushing out this episode before the end of the day. So John, Catholic Spirit Radio can get it on the air tonight. I was speaking at St. Jude. Uh, no, no, scratch that. I was speaking at Notre Dame High School in Peoria last Wednesday at like 1130 to a group of students during the Respect Life Week, uh, Respect Life Month, the first week of their uh, festivities for that. I jumped on a, grabbed my kids and say, jumped on an airplane. seven, which is super interesting being by myself with them. Elise was home holding down the fort with the other three and picked up a car in Orlando, drove up to Ocala to visit my mom and drop the kids off, stayed the night, woke up bright and early, jumped in a car in my car and drove all the way down to Naples, Florida. From there, uh, met up with Father Orsi, who you all know, the co-host of this show. And we went to the Action for Life dinner for the Sound of Freedom movie featuring Jim Caviezel. And Jim was there. I was uh, blessed, very blessed to attend a VIP reception uh, with Father Orsi, thanks to uh, some friends of his who made it possible for me to attend that event and was able to say hi to Jim and take a picture. It was super, super cool. And I, I asked him a few questions and told him a little bit about Incorruptible, the movie. And then uh, proceeded to have a fancy dinner, lots of fun. The next morning, woke up bright and early, jumped in the car, drove back to Ocala to hang out with my mom and uh, uh, my uh, grandma. And the very following morning today, we got up at 4 a.m. and drove to the airport for an 8 o'clock flight. We had to return a rental car. And here we are. It has been wild. Monday, I'm off to Oklahoma to film for Incorruptible at the Clear Creek Abbey with some monks. I'm super excited about that. Anyway, this is so much fun being here with you today. I am going to um, play some reruns for most of this episode. You'll hear some music as well that I'm working on. These are some of the highlights that I've really enjoyed producing over the course of the last year. So stay tuned. You're listening to Truth Culture Life, and I hope that you'll be sure to drop me an email. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you think. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at Royce, that's R-O-Y-C-E, at lawlife.org. That's Royce at lawlife.org. I want to hear from you. And be sure to check us out on Facebook at Truth Culture Life Pod via Facebook. And as always, if you haven't already done so, be sure to download the Catholic Spirit Radio app. We'll be right back with um, some highlight reels. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Thank you. 
Welcome to Truth Culture Life. I'm your host, Royce Hood, and I am joined by Father Michael Orsi from Naples, Florida. Father, how are you today? Wonderful. Wonderful. Good day. It's good to see you. And uh, Father, I I don't know if you have anything to do with this, but apparently I'm going to be joining you at the Jim Caviezel event in Naples, Florida, October 17th. I believe that's the date. No, October the 19th. If oh, if, if I show up, well, I'll get there early. We'll have dinner. <laughs> yeah, come on over. I got a bottle of scotch waiting for you. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so big, big date coming up. Okay, October 19th. I'll be there. Did you know I'm coming? I'm sure you had something all, to do with it. All about it. I told you that you would be taken care of. <laughs> so for the folks listening, this is a really, really important event. Uh, that uh, Action for Life in Naples, Florida is putting on. It'll be in Naples on October 19th. You can get tickets and find out about the event at actionforlife.com. Is it, Father, dot .net? Dot .net. Actionforlife.net. And I should know that by heart. My, my dyslexia kicks in. There's so many dots these days, dot .com, dot .net. There's like dot .xyz. Dot, there's too many dots. Well... Better than exclamation point. Right? Yeah, exclamation, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> all right. So, folks, check that out. I do think tickets are still available for that dinner. Is that right, Father? Yeah, they're, they're moving kind of fast. Uh, you know, there's a $5,000 variety. That way you get a picture with Jim Caviezel and you uh, come to a cocktail party with him. It's wow. people. Then there's the $500 level. <clears throat> you get a picture with me. That's, you know, that to me is the most important picture. A, a picture with the priest to me matters infinitely more than a Hollywood guy. Well, you get a picture with me. Uh, and a blessing, I'm sure, if you ask. So let's let's kick things off. So folks, you're listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. The way my bouncy brain works in the morning, I jump around a little bit. Let's kick things off with a quick prayer because we have a very, very special guest and uh, from the Benedictines. And um, I, I just want to have Father kick us off with a quick prayer and we'll introduce her. Will do. Lord God, we thank you for bringing us together this day. Uh, we ask you to uh, anoint the words of Sister Mary Josepha, who is speaking to us from a, a very special place in Missouri. We ask you to open our minds and hearts to the message you want to deliver to us today. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Sister, welcome to the show. We are, we are again, for our listeners, we are joined by a very, very special guest. Very honored to have you, sister, from the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. And she is joining us not from, um, not from the Abbey in Gower, Missouri, but from the Daughter House in Ava, Missouri. Sister, welcome to the program. Thank you, Royce. It's a privilege to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about your vocation your, you know, kind of where you came from and how, how you came to be a sister. Yes. God's providence is wonderful. And I am very grateful for it at every point in my life. I was born into a Catholic homeschooling family. We were a military family, so we moved around quite a lot. But our family, because of our faith and our homeschooling, we were very close-knit. And my parents gave us beautiful books to read about the saints. So I think early on, they, had, they fostered a vocation in my heart. I would read about different saints and say, oh, this one was a nun, that one was a nun. Maybe God wants me to be a nun too. I didn't have any uh, any communities nearby though. As we were moving around from military base to military base, I didn't see sisters. I didn't see convents of nuns. And so I didn't know how a young girl did become one. Um, so I waited, I prayed, 
um, I was very blessed to go to Thomas Aquinas College in California. And there I learned more about the, my faith, uh, more about a life of contemplation. I think the program there really opened my heart to a more contemplative vocation rather than an active one. And best of all, I knew friends who were also interested in religious life and they knew communities and, and could give suggestions. Well, you should visit this one or you should visit that one. Um, I did a little more study in theology after Thomas Aquinas College um, and I was blessed to meet some Benedictine monks. They introduced me to the Benedictine office, prayed in Latin, most of it actually sung in Latin. And I thought as I was singing the office with them, this is the way I want to pray for the rest of my life. If I become a nun, I need to find an order that prays this way. Um, and thanks be to God, I shortly after, thereafter met a priest who introduced me to the Benedictines of Mary. And I was thrilled to see that they used the very same book for the divine office that these other Benedictine monks used. And so I, I visited them. Um, it seemed to fill all of my childhood aspirations and I entered shortly thereafter. Sister, that oh. is just, that, that is amazing. You know, there seems to be a common uh, denominator with the vocations that with the young ladies that I have encountered um, in Gower. And that is all, a lot of them come from, you know, these really just virtuous Catholic families. Yes. I think that the human preparation, the natural preparation in the family setting is invaluable for any vocation in life, but especially a religious vocation. You know, when, when a sister um, gives herself to Christ in a spousal way, she, she can think, back to how her parents lived that spousal relationship. And when she thinks of her heavenly father, she thinks of her earthly father. When she thinks of the blessed mother, she thinks of her natural mother. Um, so the religious life is, is dependent on faith, but there's so much support that we find from our initial experience of love within the family. That's beautiful. Um, could you tell us the book that you referenced? You said, you know, the, the, the sisters pray the same book which book are you talking about? Could you tell our listeners? Oh, that is called the Monastic Antiphonal. So it has all of the psalms with the musical notation as it's been sung in the church for centuries. Um, so we use fairly old books, not centuries old, but at least 100 years old. And uh, to see that continuity in the life of the church using the same book for the divine office uh, was very inspirational for me. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, sister, could you tell us the reason why we have you on here? I mean, first of all, um, I am working on a movie called Incorruptible about Sister Wilhelmina. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the reason why we're having you on here today is because of the Brides of Christ book. Could you tell us a little bit about this book? What is it about? And, uh, and, and we'll go from there. Sure. So Brides of Christ, is a, it's designed as a children's book and it it presents the life of the Benedictines of Mary in pictures with verse uh, commentary. Um, the pictures are done by one of our sisters. Uh, the book came to be as a result, of, I think, of Mother Abbas observing uh, how cleverly, how charmingly different sisters could uh, illustrate our life, uh, especially when some of us went south to Ava to start a daughter house. We would exchange notes with the sisters at the mother house and a lot of the sisters, instead of writing a note, would draw a picture and say, this is what happened in the garden the other day. <laughs> this is a, a cartoon of what we were doing in the kitchen the other day. And Mother Abbas was looking at these charming pictures and said, well, this is a beautiful way to let other people experience our life. So she commissioned one of the artists in the community to do um, a full set of illustrations. It, 
it begins with a young girl knocking on the door of the convent asking to enter. And it takes the reader through all the steps of formation, the postulancy, the novitiate profession. Um, and it shows also the, the different activities that a sister will do throughout the day, whether it's singing in choir, uh, assisting at mass, or milking the cow, cleaning the house, all the different things that happen are captured in these little pictures. I want to encourage our listeners to go to sophiainstitute.com and you will be able to find uh, a link for that book and you can purchase that book online. It is in stock. It is $19.95. Um, do you think there'll be some copies of that book at the gift store in, uh, in Gower, sister? Do you know? Absolutely. Yes. And also it's available through our website, benedictinesofmary.org. Well, let's send our listeners there, uh, benedictinesofmary.org. I will post that link on our Facebook page um, for when this episode comes out so people can click through that. Wow, that, that is just incredible, um, sister. And I can't wait to see the illustrations. You know, it strikes me, every time I've, I visited Gower, the sisters have been so hospitable. I was just there with my wife and um, our children, and the sisters allowed us to stay in the loft above uh, above the main ch chapel area. It was it was amazing. And, and mm -hmm. I thought it was funny because in, in the room, there's a little note that said, you know, please try to be quiet after eight o'clock for the great silence. I have like, you know, a bunch of little kids. So I'm sure they were pitter pattering around. We were trying to keep them quiet. But uh, sister, can you tell us a little bit about Benedictine hospitality? Yes. So in our holy rule, St. Benedict says, a monastery is never without guests. And I think it's very true because the monastery is not just for the, the monks or the nuns who live there, but it's also to provide a spiritual oasis for lay people who visit, for priests who want to come on retreat. Um, so the Benedictines take that especially to heart. Um, we're blessed in our community to have um, what's called constitutional enclosure. So we don't have a papal enclosure with the grill. And the, the little extra, um, I don't want to say freedom because the papal enclosure is a beautiful thing, but the uh, the ability we have to go outside of the convent allows us to keep a, a guest house for priests, but also for laity. Um, and I think it's been a source of enrichment for many people to come and share the life that we are blessed to have. Um, I know Father will have some questions in a few minutes, but Sister, while we have you, I want to talk a little bit about the growth of your community. How long have you been a sister and can you tell us a little bit about the growth of your community and with the daughter house and where you're going from here mm -hmm. as an order? Yes. So I entered in 2010. I was, uh, for the longest time, I was the 18th sister out of 18 sisters. <laughs> um, and part of that was because we moved to our new home. We had just finished building the Abbey in Gower. And there was a little, uh, a little lull, as it were, where we started to get, we got used to our new surroundings there. We started having young ladies visit but no one entered for a while. But then I think word started to get out and uh, we began receiving a number of aspirants every year. And then the lists of, of women wanting to actually enter got longer and longer. Uh, so about five years ago, we outgrew the Abbey, even though it's built for 48 nuns, we had filled its capacity. And Mother Atlas said, well, we need to start a new house. So she sent six of us initially and another sister fall later that year to Ava, Missouri. But here we are five years later, and we've outgrown the mother house again. This fall, they're going to be building um, cells for the sisters with cardboard boxes in the unfinished basement. And then the daughter house that started with seven 
Abby Sisters has seen an increase too. So we'll be 16 this fall, uh, living in a house that's probably built for 10. <laughs> so we're very glad the Mother Abbess broke ground on the permanent monastery, not too far from here. And God willing, with concurrent funding and not too many delays, we hope to move in next fall. And our listeners can support the efforts to help build the new daughter house um, by v- visiting the website, sisters. So we'll make sure that we ask people to visit that. And again, that's Benedictines of Mary. Dot org. Right? Dot org. Okay. Benedict- it's dot Benedict- org. Okay. And uh, I'll make a note of that. We'll make sure we post that link. So if you're listening, uh, be sure to check out their website. You can see videos, pictures. You can look at their music that they've done over the years, find the book, and then also support support their growth. Um, let's talk a little bit about Sister Wilhelmina. Father mm-hmm. Orsi and I have spoken uh, numerous times on this program about all that's happening in Gower with Sister Wilhelmina. What was your, were you there when they um, discovered her, you know, the fact that she is incorrupt? I mean, were you there? No, I was not there. We were at the daughter house, but we heard that the week that they were exhuming the, the coffin that the sisters were digging it up. And we were saying that day at recreation, well, if they're digging it up and they find that she's incorrupt, will Mother Abbas call? And we thought, oh yes, definitely she'll call. And later that evening we heard the telephone ring and I think everyone's heart stopped. <laughs> so it was quite a special moment when Mother Abbas announced the news to us. Wow, that's amazing. And were you able to go? Um, I mean, tell us what happened. I mean, you, did you guys all jump in the, the van and drive over? What, <laughs> or did you have to wait? No, I mean, I, no, we waited till May 29th, which was a blessing also in its own way, um, because we were able to share the grace, I think, in a spiritual way with our sisters. But on May 29th, Mother Abbas invited us home and we. Um, we came for the beautiful rosary procession and the reinterment of Sister Wilhelmina in the side altar in the Abbey Church. And it was overwhelming when we arrived to see how many people came. I think that Memorial Day weekend, there were 4,000 people who came on one day. Um, so it was, it was astonishing to us because we had been away from all the crowds and we hadn't seen all of that until we actually arrived. Um, but what a special thing to be all of us all the Benedictines of Mary united around Sister Wilhelmina one more time. It was it was a very grace-filled event. Wow. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, there were thousands upon thousands of people participating. It was it was absolutely a beautiful thing to experience. Seeing, you know, first of all, having all the sisters there praying and caring, you know, mm-hmm. doing the procession, and then all the people that were there following and yeah. just being a part of that of that opportunity, that spiritual opportunity. It was such a grace. And uh, there was a lot of smiling faces and faces of just pure awe um, amongst the the people that came to watch. And despite the huge numbers, we were struck by the silence and reverence in the crowds. And we felt it was God's blessing on the whole event that so many hundreds and thousands of people could just keep such silence and reverence. Absolutely. Let's do this. We're going to go to our first commercial break. You're listening to Truth Culture Life, and we'll be right back. A 
warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you're inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Hi, this is Debbie Giorgiani from EWTN's Take Two and the Spirit World. I had so much fun the last time I was with all of you that I'll be returning for Catholic Spirit Radio's live on-air fall appeal. You gotta join us on October 25th and 26th. We have lots to celebrate, like one million potential listeners. I'll be interviewing priests and people throughout your huge listening audience, and we'll talk about Fulton Sheen and his millions of listeners. Plus, there will be giveaways and gifts and so much more, plus our matching donors, too. Lots of good things are happening every day on Catholic Spirit Radio, so please join us to support this fantastic radio station. With your donations, we can continue to inspire and save souls. As my friends Terry and Jesse say, full sheen ahead. Tune in on October 25th and 26th. See you real soon. Hi, this is Cy Kellett, host of Catholic Answers Live. For me, for me, Catholic Radio is an opportunity to be a little bit of light in a world that is succumbing more and more to darkness, to share that light with people who feel the darkness inside and really want the light and warmth of Jesus Christ. Invite others into this work the Holy Spirit is already doing. Invite them to listen to Catholic Answers Live Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this program. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to be sure to download the Catholic Spirit Radio app as well as check us out on Facebook. That's Truth Culture Life Pod at Facebook. Um, And you can follow this program, and we will be posting links to all the different uh, websites that we talk about on today's show. So we are joined by a very special guest, Sister uh, Marie Josepha from the, uh, I'm sure I'm saying that slightly wrong, I apologize, from the Benedictines of Mary, and Father Michael Orsi. And I believe Father has a few questions for Sister, so take it away, Father. Okay, first of all, I want to know, uh, did you uh, know, uh, Mother, uh, when you went to the convent? Did you did you get a chance to meet to meet Mother Wilhelmina? Yes, I was very blessed to enter nine years before she passed away, and so I was a young sister during her last years. And the young sisters were assigned each week to help her throughout the day, to take her to the divine office, to mass, to pray the rosary with her, to help her with her day to day activities. So it was very formative for me as a young sister to spend so much time with Sister Wilmina, just one-on-one, praying with her, reading with her, and uh, just sharing the the normal daily activities at such a close level. Uh, I was always struck by her spirit of faith. At any moment in the day, if you ask her, Sister Wilmina, what do you want to do? She would say, I want to do what God wants me to do. What does he want me to do right now? 
So she always lived in that sense of personal relationship with our Lord, with our Blessed Mother. And it was very good for us young sisters to experience that so closely. What would you, what would you say was um, the most special thing about Sister Wilhelmina? What was so special about her? Did you say to yourself, wow, this is a fantastic lady. This is a great sister. Uh, I wish I could be like her. What was so special about her? I would say the first thing that comes to my heart is her faith. She would, she took God at his word from the moment when she was a little girl and at, after her first Holy Communion, she heard our Lord speak to her in her hearts asking, do you want to be all mine? She said, yes, I want to be all yours, even though she didn't fully understand what that meant. But all the rest of her life, she lived in that relationship with our Lord. Uh, it was always a perpetual yes. Um, and if, if, she lived that with our Lord. It was also with our Blessed Mother. She had a great faith in Our Lady's uh, maternal care for her, in her intercession. And she said, if I leave nothing else to the vanities of Mary, I want to leave them a strong devotion to our Blessed Mother. So I think that kind of faith that's lived in day, day out, um, it was so unique, so precious, and uh, very influential for the younger sisters entering. Sister, did you ever... Um write down what she said? Did she write down uh, her thoughts? Anything filmed, uh, recorded? Yes, so she was quite a prolific writer. At different points in her history, she would write her own autobiography, her own story of grace in her life. Um, but most of all, she loved writing poems. And those were her, um, the expressions of her interior life, her relationship with our Lord, with our Blessed Mother. We have notebooks full of handwritten poems by Sister Wilhelmina. Um, especially as she got older, I think her assistants like myself would take notes of the things that she said, especially in the last year of her life. Um, and we, we actually compiled a book, uh, The Life of Sister Wilhelmina, which is available on our website that has many of her poems and much of those comments, especially at the end of her life that were so insightful. And if you also go on our website, you will see some videos of her the more playful side of Sister Wilhelmina, um, which is, again, charming to see the, the joy that a life of self-gift to God engenders. I, I'm curious too, Sister, did, um, you know, we already know that her example, her spiritual example had a big impact on your own vocation. Did Sister Wilhelmina ever tell you any stories or um, anything about her, her life or her childhood that had an impact on her, on her own vocation. All right. So father, we lost sister for a second. Hopefully she'll be able to come back in. Um, what a great interview. You know, it's, you know, these sisters are, you know, cloistered nuns that are really don't go out into the world that much. So it's a real treasure to have somebody like her be able to join this program. Um, we got to get you. To, I think we, you know, you're getting me down to Naples, Father. I really want to get you up to Gower. Well, you know, when you when you film the movie, we're gonna need. Yeah, we're gonna need a handsome young priest. Uh, uh, wait a minute, young? I don't know about that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Somebody else. <laughs> no. All right, sister. Welcome back. We lost you. Um, you know, I, I'm I, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. In her, in the book, God's Will, which is sort of a biography of Sister Wilhelmina, it's available at, in Gower and on your website. Um, it talks about Sister's experience at um, Confirmation, where Jesus said, will you be mine? Were there any other big moments in her life that you can think of 
uh, that you'd like to share that had an impact on her vocation that she ever told you about? There was one. Um, her family actually told us that she saw the Blessed Mother when she was a small girl. I didn't hear her speak about that event, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was what sparked such a tender and uh, personal relationship with her. Yeah, she, Sister Wilhelmina does not strike me as somebody who would have, who would have bragged about those experiences. Um, it was more very personal to her, it seems like. But can her, you still her hear me? I we, we can. We can hear you. Yeah, definitely a few little technical glitches, but that's okay. We'll, we will work through them. We need Father to do a blessing on uh, for the StreamYard program here to clear this matter up. As of now, StreamYard, you will cooperate with Robin Hood. <laughs> you know, there was something about uh, Sister Wilhelmina. I, I, one of the stories I tell the people is, you know, she grew up in a time, I think, you know, was in Mississippi or Missouri, wherever she grew up, one of those southern states where uh, a lot of segregation. And uh, she said to her mother one day, she said, how come I always have to go to the back of the line? To receive communion and her mother said it doesn't matter where you go to receive jesus and i thought holy cow isn't that the truth and isn't that the humility and that really touched me and i tell people you know sometimes we always worry about you know uh our own personal uh, dignity and uh who comes first and uh, who's ahead of who and wow the important thing is jesus that's the important thing not uh, not where i stand online so I, I think that's really important very humbling very humbling yeah, that's uh, it's beautiful um, to read read that story, sister, about you know what Father just said. I mean, she never let adversity stand in her way. She never let race or you know any of this stuff that is so divisive today in our world. Like she she went beyond that and focused on what was important. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know if you have any comment on that or not, but it's just amazing to to be able to read about that example, and you you actually got to witness it. Yes, I found it remarkable. In a time when we were very sensitive to racial issues, she was very outspoken in saying, um, the wealth of my family was our Roman Catholic faith. Um, she was proud of her, her cultural heritage. She loved her own family, her own people. But she realized that the most important thing is being a child of God. The most important thing is belonging to his church. And that was where her family found their real dignity. Do you think um, in this day and age, my understanding is that the uh, your community is receiving something like three inquiries a day from young women about vocations. Do you think, I mean, this world yes. is, this world is like falling apart at the seams, right? But it always has been ever since the fall. There's always been turmoil and division and struggle. But it's amazing to me, the growth of the Benedictines. Do you think we're going to see Abby's popping up and monasteries popping up across the country at some point in the future? Well, in a way, we hope so, because it, I know that in, in the past, in our church's history, our Lord has provided contemplative religious to bring back a revival, in, a resurgence in the faith. It seems he wants these souls that live a hidden life that are devoted entirely to him as the the impetus for new growth in his church. So you can see that at different points, you know, and what brought the, the church out of the dark ages into the, the age of Catholicism was the monasteries or after the French revolution, again, what rebuilt Europe is monasteries. So um, I do hope that our Lord will continue to send contemplative vocations to our community or to others um, so that 
that place in the church will will be full and um, generous in its response to God. I, I think what's going on with your community <laughs> is fantastic. I, I mean, to hear so many young women entering in uh, religious life, really it's contemplative life, and to have such uh, devotion to the uh, Benedictine tradition, uh, especially the, the liturgy and uh, the sung office, and uh, to be able to say, we greet everyone who comes here as Christ. It's so true. Anytime I've gone to a Benedictine uh, monastery, uh, even unannounced, I was welcomed like Christ himself. So uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, vocation. And uh, certainly uh, Almighty God is uh, showing his favor to people uh, like you who really want to live out that Benedictine life. We're grateful. It's a privilege to be called to a life like this. And each one of us, I think, feels our unworthiness. Uh, Sister, could you tell us a little bit in the time that we have remaining, you know, what does your day-to-day look like as a bride of Christ? We get up before the dawn and we begin the divine office. Um, the first few hours of the day, I'd say probably three, are alternating the sung psalmody in the choir and then private prayer and reading by ourselves. So it's a beautiful way to start each day. Um, after those first three hours, the sun is finally up. Then we go about our work, but we work in silence as much as we can. So we'll, we'll speak only as necessary for the work at hand. You know, do you want me to put bananas in the spread or do you want me to put zucchini? <laughs> but as, as far as we can, we, we, speak si- we speak to our Lord in our hearts. We keep that spirit of prayer that was established in the first hours of the day. When we take our meals, they're also in silence, but one sister will read aloud from a book like a a Life of the Saint or um, a history. And that reminds us, even while we're nourishing our body, we have to keep nourishing our souls too. That's the most important thing. And then we have one hour a day of recreation when we do speak freely among ourselves as sisters. Uh, And that's always a very lively and um, even heartwarming time. Uh, We share all the events that we've had during the day or news from our families. Uh, There's always a lot of laughter. And then at the end of the day, we conclude with the last office of Compline and we go back into grand silence when we don't speak at all, try to preserve a very strict silence to be attentive in those quiet hours of the night to our Lord alone. Absolutely. What time do you go to bed at night? You're up at 3 a.m. And uh, what time do you go to bed? (laughs) We go to bed at nine o'clock and we're usually up by 4.45 or five o'clock. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead, Father. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that that's quite a schedule that you keep. And then, how does your uh, monster, how do you make how do you make money to buy the things that you need? Mm-hmm. Our community makes vestments for priests, which is a beautiful expression of our spiritual apostolate to pray and sacrifice for priests. So even when we're doing the manual labor to support ourselves, we're praying for the priests that will wear the vestments. Uh, it's well, it's a beautiful way to support ourselves a, that we can choose from. Yeah, hey, it's, yes, it's, you have a catalog. A, yeah. Go ahead. I don't think we have a hard copy, but we have it on our website. So just visit benedictinesofmary.org and you can get more. <laughs> yeah. org. Yeah. We will share we'll share that website. So if, yeah, and Father, you can actually customize it. You can click on, you know, different things that you want on the vestment, and then the sisters make it by hand. Uh, I'm good at that stuff. I need somebody to tell me what looks nice. 
Yeah. Is it, <laughs> it, I don't know. And I'm a lay, I'm a lay guy. I don't wear a vestment. Is it one size fits all or are there like different sizes? There are different sizes and lots of different tastes. So sometimes the priest will actually come to the monastery and meet with one of the sewing sisters and say, well, this is exactly what I want. Or if he has wow. no idea what he wants, he can say, tell me what I should get. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, I, would, I wouldn't know where to begin. I'd say just pick something out. <laughs> yeah. Father, well, that's father, a good way to go too. Yeah, Father's lucky. He looks great in anything he, he puts on, uh, especially when he's offering the Holy Mass. So, right, Father? That's it. As long, as long as I can say Mass. I have, a, I have a beautiful set of Roman vestments. Beautiful. And uh, the gold and the mm -hmm. white, they're just extraordinary. We have a great group of uh, FSSP, the Fraternity of St. Peter, that uh, they're having to have start their own church over here in, in Naples in October. And I am going to donate my Roman vestments to them. How do you like that? Oh, God reward you, Father. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm sure you'll yeah. have many fraternity priests praying for you. Well, they told me they would. You know, I'm trying to get into purgatory, and I need those prayers. Father, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's absolutely beautiful. Do the sisters ever make anything else other than vestments? Um like, do you make clothes? Do you, you know, weave baskets, anything like that? Or are you focused on the vestment? Mostly vestments. We do uh, make rosaries, which are also available on the website. And then we've made a number of CDs, which you might have heard of. They're also on the website. Yes. Uh, well, this, yeah, the CDs are, uh, are famous. I mean, you, you've had three top 10 albums um, in the building. Whoa, 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 whoa. They got the top 10 albums? Yeah, they, they've had four albums, <laughs> three of which have made it into the Billboard Top 10, is my understanding. Wow. 22 million streams. It's funny, when I was in Gower speaking to one of the sisters, and I, I, I don't recall which sister it was, and I said that. I was like, you know, sister, people know your music all over the world. And she said, you know, I don't know anything about that. I'm just a simple sister. And I loved that. <laughs> like, you just... <laughs> doing your thing you sing when you pray and somebody recorded it and people happen to be very interested in hearing what you do and that's like gregorian mm -hmm. chant it is it's beautiful yeah you know it's making a comeback gregorian chant i hear that a lot of young people you know the gen z's and that, and that crowd uh they they like gregorian chant I, I think we're on the verge of a comeback here A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Hi, this is Debbie Giorgiani from EWTN's Take Two and the Spirit World. I had so much fun the last time I was with all of you that I'll be returning for Catholic Spirit Radio's live on-air fall appeal. You gotta join us on October 25th and 26th. We have lots to celebrate, like 1 million potential listeners. I'll be interviewing priests and people throughout your huge listening audience, and we'll talk about Fulton Sheen and his millions of listeners. Plus, there will be giveaways and gifts and so much more, plus our matching donors, too. Lots of good things are happening every day on Catholic Spirit Radio, so please join us to support this fantastic radio station. With your donations, we can continue to inspire and save souls. As my friends Terry and Jesse say, full sheen ahead. Tune in on October 25th and 26th. See you real soon. 
Hi, this is Cy Kellett, host of Catholic Answers Live. For me, for me, Catholic Radio is an opportunity to be a little bit of light in a world that is succumbing more and more to darkness, to share that light with people who feel the darkness inside and really want the light and warmth of Jesus Christ. Invite others into this work the Holy Spirit is already doing. Invite them to listen to Catholic Answers Live. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life. You're listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. We just want to give a shout out to Catholic Spirit. We thank them. My understanding is now this program can be heard three times a week. Oh, instead of two, which is awesome. Um, if I get the times right, it's 6 p.m. on Saturday, 9 a.m. Sunday, and 5 p.m. on Sunday. So three different times, which is, a, I think, a huge, um, just a huge uh, compliment for the program. So thank you so much for listening to Truth Culture Life. Uh, they, they like Gregorian chant. I, I think we're on the verge of a comeback here. Uh-huh. It's good. It's the perennial sound of the church. You know, we listen to Gregorian chant every night after our family rosary. We put it on, and the kids oftentimes will fall asleep. We put we play it for an hour or so after we do the rosary, and we also play the Benedictines of Mary. And when my wife was pregnant with with uh, baby Fulton's sister, we, we Fulton has a long story. I don't know if you know about it. I won't share it now, but we knew he wasn't going to live once he was born. And so my wife would listen to the albums that you and your sisters made every night because it was so beautiful and she wanted him to recognize the sound of heaven. And that was, that was the first spiritual connection. I feel like we felt to the Benedictines after we found out about sister Wilhelmina, we were like all in like, okay, we, we want to be, we want to be as much a part of the community as we can. So thank you for that music. It's touched a lot of hearts. And you know, you know, Robin Hood, the Benedictines, they, they go back a long time, right? Uh, St. Benedict was around 450. What was he? What year, sister? It was late 400s to early 500s. So, yes, it's yeah. been about five, 1,500 years of Benedictines. <laughs> Imagine that. You know, folks, about St. Benedict, uh, you know, he, he kind of uh, developed the, uh, as we know today, the, the liturgy of the hours for, the, for monastic life and the monastic rule. So uh, this community goes way, way back. Somebody said to me, the Benedictines are like cockroaches. They're always there. You know, no matter what the, <laughs> the Benedictines survive, they survived the atomic bomb. <laughs> you, uh, That's great. <laughs> I mean, God's taking care of them. He, he needs, like, because they're praying all the time, you know, for push schleps like me. You know what a schlep is? <laughs> no, I <Yeah>. don't. <laughs> it's Yiddish. It's Yiddish. It's like a, it's like a poor soul. I, I'm from Brooklyn. Oh. He's a, he's a New York priest that is uh, living in Naples, Florida now, which uh, is a good, good. Uh, <laughs> well, that's where, 
very smart New York priest. Very smart, of course, Father. You know, <laughs> Father and I met at Ave Maria School of Law when I was a student there, and we've we just hit it off and have been friends ever since. That's right, man. I I know quality, I, I know quality when I see it. You know, <laughs> I, I made myself. That guy's got a future. Well, uh, and sister, just to give you some background, father actually came up to Peoria and uh, performed, uh, you know, offered the mass for the wedding for my wife and I, which is amazing, and performed the wedding ceremony. What was that church where we had Frangelico? Uh, uh, is that St. Mark? It might have been St. Mark's. It's just, you know, these beautiful 18, late 1800, early 1900 churches in, in across the Midwest, sister. I don't know if you're familiar with some of these. I mean, they're all over. And just the, you know, the people didn't have much, these immigrant communities, mm -hmm. but they put everything they had into building these gorgeous, beautiful, reverent churches. And, you know, the new churches are kind of cheesy. I hate to say it. They are. But the old ones, there's something you walk yeah. in, you feel like you're walking in, you know, you're at the gates of heaven. Um, and that's how I feel when yes. I attend yeah. the Latin mass. And when I attend, uh, even just listening to you and your sisters pray, um, Anyway, yeah, sister, it's been so good having you on Truth Culture Life. I, I'm just so excited that we are able to get you here. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about, about your vocation um, or about the book or anything else? Uh, I'd like to thank you both for hosting us today and for your patience with our, our limited internet. I guess it's a good sign that we're in the middle of nowhere in solitude praying that we have such bad internet. But I appreciate your patience with all of that. And I want to thank our listeners, too, for their support. Um, I would, I'd like to encourage them, as I'm sure Sister Wilhelmina would want me to, to try to re-engage that daily rosary, um, to give themselves in a filial way to Our Lady, uh, and really to entrust everything to her as our Blessed Mother, who looks after everything in our lives at every moment. I I love that. Before I let you go, I just thought of one last question. I do this all the time. I'm really I'm really sorry. So the, the name of the movie that we're working on is called Incorruptible. And it's not just about Sister Wilhelmina's body. It's about the way she lived her life. And it's also about mm -hmm. the church itself, the body of Christ. Can you, can you just, you, you kind of just spoke to that, but what does being incorrupt mean? Can we be incorrupt in the way we live our lives? What does that mean to you? And, and if you just have any thoughts on that. Yes, I, I think it's a beautiful thought that it isn't just Sister Wilhelmina's body that was preserved, but there's something deeper there. Um, I felt like the grace of Sister Wilhelmina's passing, the way she, she died, um, spoke to us of the reality of heaven, how close it is and how our life in the cloister, but also a faithfully lived Christian life in the world, is supposed to be really um, very, very intent upon heaven at every moment. I think that's our lifeline that keeps everything incorrupt, as you were saying, you know, that we live in that, that light of faith. And then the things that we do, um, the works that we undertake, uh, it, it partakes in um, eternity in a way. The good deeds that we do live on in the merit that they gain for us in heaven. So all the things that Sister Romina did, so little of it is preserved in a way because it was a hidden life, but it it's like our Lord wanted to show that um, it mattered to him and that it has spiritual, even eternal consequences by letting us see that her body was preserved that way. Um, so I think it's a sign of hope for this world. Uh, the hidden life of faith is not lost, but is preserved 
forever in eternity in heaven. And it has these consequences even now on earth. I can't think of a better place to end uh, this interview with you, sister. That is so beautiful. I hope we could have you back again in the future. Maybe as things ramp up with the film, uh, we can get you back on. And I plan on coming to Ava at some point to, to visit and to film as well. One question before you go, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister, is there now uh, a movement uh, toward uh, looking for canonization of Sister Wilhelmina? Oh, we lost her again. <laughs> uh, I wanted to know where, where we're going if there's, if there's a movement, you know, for canonization, you know. They... Yeah, if she if she can come back in and answer that, that's great. If not, that's okay. Um, Father, I know from speaking with the sisters in preparation for the film, it can't start until five years. So May 29th of 2024 will be the soonest that an official cause could be recognized. Um, and I think it would wouldn't I think it'd have to be the bishop that makes the referral. Um, and whether or not they do that, I think the sisters are open to it, but they're not they're not necessarily going to aggressively pursue that uh, for just a number of reasons, but mainly they're just, they're focused on their prayer and their work. Um, so if it happens uh, and there are, I can tell you this, the sisters are receiving numerous reports of miracles and healings associated with sister Wilhelmina. And some of these actually started coming in before the discovery of her body. Wow. Uh, and I've been following one such woman, her story with, um, with uh, a very, very aggressive form of cancer. She only had months to live, and she visited the Abbey on retreat and was given the belt that Sister Wilhelmina wore. I, f I forget what you call it, but, you know, from, from, their, um, from their outfit that they wear every day. And I, I need to get the terminology down. But she took it home thinking, like, okay, it will give her some comfort. And about three days later, her symptoms disappear. And uh, she thinks, well, this is nice. At least I, I'll die without having a lot of pain because she was in excruciating pain. A couple of weeks go by and she's feeling great. She goes to the doctor and he's like, you know, I, I can't really explain it, but it seems like you're doing better. I, I don't, you know, you might, you might actually have a little bit longer than we expected. It seems like she may have had a complete healing. She has her follow-up appointment. We're, we're documenting this. We're filming her. She has a follow-up appointment in November and um, we'll find out for sure. But no matter what has happened, She's received a huge grace of time and um, and really, I mean, just amazing. Just even just the spiritual healing that she's received since this. And that this all happened before Sister Wilhelmina's body was discovered. I want to ask you a question. Maybe you don't know the answer. Uh, why did the sisters decide to exhume her body? Was it because reports were coming in about uh, maybe a miracle? What What made them exhume the body? Yeah, great question, Father. So I, I thought it was interesting when Sister Mary Josepha was um, speaking about her experience a little bit when they discovered the body. She, she said something that I have articulated as well. She said they were exhuming the coffin. You know, and that's, there's a distinction. They were, they were exhuming the coffin, not the body. And maybe there's no distinction technically, but to me, they're two different things. The plan was, my understanding, is the plan was that she was built, buried in a simple just plot of dirt on the grounds of the abbey to commemorate her fourth, the fourth anniversary of her death. They had, uh, they had ordered an altar area where she would be, um, entombed, uh, sealed up, you know, there wouldn't be, her body would not be visible. And so they exhumed the coffin to transport it into the church, um, and to pray, to pray and do their whole ceremony. And that's when they realized there was a, a crack in the coffin and they were able to peek inside and they, they saw a foot in a sock 
And that's where the whole thing sort of sparked. And then, so they eventually opened it up and there she is. Uh, and um, the rest is history. So I don't, maybe would they have peeked inside the coffin? I don't know, maybe. But um, the, the interesting thing is though, with the crack, the wood rot, that's all the more fascinating when you think yeah. about the fact that this thing wasn't airtight. Right. It was a hole and water. There was, I think, moisture. And there was some mold on the habit as well that they were able to clean off. But the habit was intact as well. Just phenomenal. It really is. If the wood could crack, why can't some, you know, uh, material crack? <laughs> that's that's right. And and I have read before that, you know, that in like the case of ancient Egypt, they go into a tomb that's been sealed up for a few thousand years and these, you know, stone uh, coffins and they they open it up and there is this this it looks like a you know a body but within minutes it it just decomposes very quickly right. you know it's dried out and all this but the air has kept it you know it's preserved it to some extent but as soon as it hits the air the process is very rapid with the with the wood being porous anyway and then the wood being cracked it's just it's just phenomenal so yeah you know I hope I really do my guess is there will be um will be a, a an inquiry into the uh you know canonization of sister wilhelmina at now, what well, point yeah was she being brought inside the uh, monastery uh because she was the foundress of that house was that the reason that is correct she's the founder of the community she was well loved by the entire community and they wanted to they wanted to bring her in and give her a um sort of a memorial a place to recognize her contribution spiritually uh, and um, you know, physically to to the community itself and to the growth. I mean, it wouldn't exist without her. Um, yeah, you know, you, you were talking about. Uh, you were wondering if the crack had not been in the coffin, would they have peeked in? And from what I've read about the other incorruptibles, usually, uh, if they do exhume a body because they think that that person was in some way uh, special or a holy sanctifying uh, existence that they, they lived, um, that they would peek in. And uh, usually they would have witnesses there as to what they saw, and then they would uh, re-inter uh, the body and look at it again, or five or 10 years later, you know, if they were still working on the case and see if the body was still, was still intact. So uh, I've read in some of the cases where uh, the body was intact, and then when the canonization process was completed, that the body began to uh, decompose. So it's an interesting situation. That is very, very interesting um, to think about. And it'll be fascinating to see what happens. I know um, that, you know, the, the, there's been, you know, there's going to be some formal investigation at some point, I'm sure. And we'll, we'll try to uncover as much of this as we can in the film. Um, and the film is going to go beyond just, the incorruptibility. It's going to focus really a lot on, on her life as a, as a young woman who, you know, became uh, the foundress of this community. And it's also going to focus on the church and the sacraments and the liturgy. So we're super excited. Uh, our listeners can find out about the film at incorruptiblemovie.com. Lots of neat things happening there. And uh, father, I think we're out of time. This wow. is a great program. Well, it's always a pleasure to be with you and then to speak with sister. I mean, uh, special lady, you know, yeah. I Hear about her education too. Going out to first of all homeschooled, uh, great books around the house about the lives of the saints. How inspiring that is! And I think a lot of parents should do that. You know, uh, get some great books and throw them around the house and let the kids pick them up and read them. That's so inspiring. When I was in school, you know, we used to learn in those days about the lives of the saints 
And it was wonderful, just wonderful. Even in the history class, we had a Catholic history book that talked about Isaac Jobes and Junipero Serra. I mean, and they inspired. So people got to do this stuff. No, you know, you're right. I, I think about, um, you know, the days that are good days at my house are the days that we wake up in the morning and it's a peaceful morning. Maybe there's a morning prayer. The days that are chaotic at my home are the days when one of my boys gets up before we do and we come downstairs and he's playing video games <laughs> or, or he's watching TV. And we notice a trend that the behavior is not as good on those days. You know, you're starting, I think about what the sisters do. You know, they start off with like several hours of prayer and contemplation. And then they try to maintain that state of prayer throughout the day. Wow. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just beautiful. It's hard to do that as a, as a lay person with the busy life and the world that we live in. But yeah. yeah. All right, folks. Well, the great father, Michael Orsi from Naples, Florida and Royce Hood. We're, we're going to sign off. Be sure to visit us at truthculturelife.com and, and find us on Facebook. Thank you, Father, for being on the program. Everybody, take care, Robin Hood. If your dreams dream for God, keep on dreaming. If your songs sing for God, keep on singing.